All right, everybody, welcome back to the Exploring the Blockchain podcast, where we document our experiences of learning about the blockchain, interview guests and experts in the space, and keep you updated on the latest trends in the industry. I'm your co-host, Zane. And I'm Josh. Today, we're joined by Lily, who's going to discuss investing in Web3 and finding blockchain startups. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and what brought you into the Web3 space? Yeah, um, my background is mostly TradFi. I did my time on trading floors and banking floors and private equity and hedge fund floors, uh, did the whole circuit on Wall Street, Goldman Sachs and, and various hedge funds in New York. And I think that got very interested in crypto um, quite early, but, you know, was always more of a casual um, trading and, and just buying on hold type of thing. And realized very quickly as I decided to go more aggressive into the space and to trade more actively that I am terrible at it <laughs> and essentially um, losing out on every trade pretty much at a disadvantage. And I think a lot of retail traders and investors probably feel similarly, um, especially when you're new to the space, right? You hear, and at that time it was very early tokens, but it's like even with Bitcoin, trading on Bitcoin and trying to do it intelligently and you know, you can be very proficient at TA, but just having a market that doesn't close <laughs> was something of a challenge. Um, and so uh, kind of found QIS as, as a desperate attempt to make myself better at investing in the space in that um, in traditional finance, information asymmetry is your data, it's, it's your advantage. If you have more data, more info than the next guy, um, then you're probably gonna win out. Whereas in crypto, it's information overwhelm, right? It's everything is on chain, price action is transparent, exchange information, block information, wallet information. There's so much data, not to mention news and crypto Twitter and Discord. There's just a lot of information that is now available. So it's not about a, a access to information, but about making sense of the information and finding alpha. Um, so uh, the TLDR is we, uh, QIS, quantitative investment um, uh, strategies, we use machine learning to process a ton of data from a ton of different resources. Um, and then our research team basically takes the things that we find and make them into quantitative signals so that we can industrialize the trading process and we can remove human emotions and bias and all the other factors that make us inefficient traders in the space um, and actually create a system that allows us all to sleep, <laughs> frankly, um, and know that uh, the book is being taken care of. So that's how QIS came into being. Cool. So I'm um, curious a little bit more about, you know, how you choose what to invest in, what type of indicators you guys look for. Is it primarily like technical indicators? Um, is it, do you take into account, you know, user sentiment? Are you, are you, and what exactly are you funding? Are you, um, are you funding blockchain startups or are you, are you funding a specific crypto? What exactly is it that you guys do and what, what type of factors do you look at? Yeah. So part of the QoS journey, we only look at liquid tokens, but part of that journey, it was saying to ourselves, well, because crypto becomes liquid very quickly, right? So in traditional Silicon Valley startups and web two, when you invest in a company, it takes years for them to build into their product. A lot of times 
you know, finding product market fit itself will take years. And then there'll be pivots and then there'll be turnovers and then there'll be growing, growing pains. And then, you know, they, they get to a point where they IPO or they get purchased. And then at that point is where the liquidity comes for the, for the investor. But with crypto, typically, you know, from seed funding to liquidity, it could be as fast as six months, 12 months. And so a lot of that really speed runs that process, which is at, at, at that point, we said to ourselves, look, we really need to understand these things from the very early stages, which is how Castle Seal came into being. It's a prop fund. It's just our own money. There's no outside capital, but it's essentially a group of um, it's a core group, but we also work together with a larger ecosystem of developers, of um, investors, of just crypto enthusiasts, crypto OGs, that essentially um, that due diligence advise startups in this space. So Castle Seals, you primarily invest in startups and then QIS is just the liquid tokens. That's the sort of distinction between the two? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I think one really helps to inform the other. Um and then back to the point about how we look for how we actually trade, you know, like the, the tokens that we trade, there's definitely liquidity requirements. Um, but, you know, we process over 100 gigs of data a day and we look at uh, level one, level two data, exchange data. We look at on-chain data. We look at sentiment data, all of crypto Twitter data. Uh, we use natural language processing to try to make sense of it. Um, and so it's 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 a lot. And then. You know, we don't do a lot of market neutral stuff. We mostly use AI and quantitative strategies to do predictive momentum trading um, because it's like, you know, market neutral, you'll do okay. Uh, but crypto, like if you really want the, the, the massive upsides, we actually believe uh, what you should be gunning for is um, outperforming the market when it's up on a risk adjusted basis and then losing less money when the market's down. And if you can do that enough, you're going to win out, right? Um, so it's a it's a different approach to quant because I know most quants, I don't know how many funds you've had on your podcast, but a lot of quants do market making, risk arb, more neutral strategies. We actually think it's worth it. It's worth doing the work to do actual predictive algorithms. Great. Going back to Q, QIS, um, what advice would you have to, you know, someone getting into crypto trading um, any analytics they should look at, analysis that they should understand when first getting into that? I mean, I think definitely getting a TradingView account, um, Glassnode account, those kind of things are very helpful. Um, even just making sure that you're subscribing to the proper newsletters. Um, you know, I would, you know, like explore the Nansen universe, Masari. Um, there's a lot of very helpful resources. But crypto is a, is a different animal from... I would say traditional equities or bonds in that crypto is very, very momentum driven, right? And so, you know, I would say that understanding how the technical analysis actually function within crypto is very important because I'll give you an example, you know, like if you're, if you're a TA trader and you're looking at Bollinger Bands and you're assuming a mean reversion, a lot of times when you're on the upper bound, you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to come right back down. This is a sell signal. But we find that in crypto, a lot of times when things actually hit the upper bound, it actually is a momentum indicator and it's about to rip even higher. And so understanding how those dynamics function idiosyncratically to crypto is very important. Yeah. And I think what's what's unique about your perspective is you mentioned that you come from more traditional finance and now you're in this sort of new world. So I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, what have you seen the, 
what kind of differences have you seen? You know, you come from PE. What What is the difference in, in operating sort of this traditional quantitative firm or this private equity firm um, to this new, totally different world? Um, and when you're doing things like QIS and and yeah, what are the differences you've seen? Um, I mean, I used to look at emerging market equities um, and I look, used to look at it on an event-driven basis. And I find that the catalyst for market action in crypto is very different. First of all, there's no such thing as fundamentals, right? A lot of the DeFi projects, it's essentially issuing dividends, <laughs> stocks as dividends and using emissions on a contango basis to create those APY. None of that's sustainable. Um, but a lot of times you go in and you're just like, wow, this doesn't make any sense. And the whole universe is telling you, yeah, you're just not native enough. And I think this cycle is is actually pretty interesting because a lot of times just like, no, I wasn't crazy. Human nature did fundamentally change, right? Like hope, greed, and fear are still the primary driving factors. Um, but what's what's really different and I is how extremely reflexive crypto is. I guess I wouldn't say different, it is magnified in terms of whether it's narrative or whether it's price momentum, like people find ways that justify anything. And it's about creating, you hear the word flywheel a lot, you hear the word death spiral a lot, right? It's, it's so heavily sentiment and momentum driven that common sense usually just goes out the window. Um, and the cult of personality, the worshipful culti- cultish behavior within crypto, the massive reflexivity within crypto, an insane amount of momentum. Um, I think it's uh, it's 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 appropriate in that it's a it's a new market. It's very innovative. You see people become whenever there's innovation, there's going to be speculation. I get it. Um, but as people new to the space, I think it's definitely to, good to be aware of those dynamics. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think like the flywheel effect and like this complete crazy movement to the upside or downside will change if we receive like a mass adoption and um, more development when we see stabilization? Or do you think we'll, it'll always be a volatile asset? I mean, I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me crucified or get a lot of hate mail for you guys but um let me ask you like do you think people would have fun investing in the stock market if amazon owned the nasdaq owned goldman sachs owned citadel owned also all the marketing firms and sand hill road do you think that people would feel safe investing in stocks if it's a, a near monopoly with a complete insider trading dynamic no no yeah probably not how would that make you feel Zane's like, uh, yeah, that's like insane, right? But that's what we have in crypto right now. So until like I'm all for regulation in that, you know, for first of all, Wall Street can't really touch the stuff in size until the market cap of the ecosystem expands. And we can't do that until there's regulation because the SEC, like we don't know what's a security or what's a commodity. And without understanding what the underlying assets are, you're not going to see the Goldman's and the JPs come in in size. That's one. And two, and nobody's talking about this, if it's a complete insider market, right? How would that work? How does that work for your average retail investor? How would that work for your pensions and endowments and family offices? How would that work? 
it's like you're either with the program or you're not and you then have different mafia effects so it's like the, the rent extraction from front running from insider trading from vc transfers from you know just listing the whole listing fee transaction process like how would that make it safe for investors to come in so that's another dynamic that uh, i would caution for people that are getting into the ecosystem do you have any thoughts on regulation i mean this is a crazy quest i mean like this is a pretty broad question but do you have any thoughts on regulation (laughs) and like where to draw the line between letting you know the sort of blockchain free market roam and where we should where we should uh you know put some put some laws in place and have some centralization like if the nasdaq owned a big hedge fund and the market makers and the deal makers and all the marketing like like it's an obvious no-no right so why is nobody saying anything when ftx owns everything right or binance or like it's like it's a it's a land grab of having absolute monopolistic control and i feel like until that problem is solved it doesn't matter what's an equity what what's a security what's a commodity so you know like it, it and and i i i think that this is something that's just like generally accepted in crypto Oh, like it's insider or whatever. It's just like, but in the real world, and I know we're all trying to reinvent finance, but rules are there for a reason to give people a fair shot, right? So yeah, you know, there's a there's billions of dollars in lobbying money and there's bigger problems in the world. I get that. But I don't understand how institutional adoption really works if the only people that can play and for for all in all new entrants, your survival and how much money you make is essentially controlled by a handful of big firms. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because that's one of the main reasons why people get into crypto. That's like it's decentralized. Nobody owns, you know, nobody owns it all. But in a way, like different VCs, different huge companies are the ones owning it all, even worse than our current financial system. That, that's just a side tangent but anyways um we know like the laws are like kind of behind in the crypto space and that'll take a couple of years to uh, all get done is the technology um like we see we hear the word metaverse all the time um we hear how blockchain technology is changing everything is the actual technology behind the hype there financial payments are kind of starting um different games we'll start to see but a lot of these projects they'll promise the world and they'll say by 2025 we'll have whatever done like are any of these companies or projects like actually gonna get these things done that they promise that's a lot to unpack (laughs) i mean i would say specifically right let's go with the most obvious like like well nfts right the whole like how are NFTs traded? It's like, well, you know, people flex with them and then people speculate with them and then there's this roadmap and then people look at like fonts and founders to figure out whether or not they're going to rug. Like that shouldn't even be a thing. The whole rugging concept that the fact that that's endemic to a whole ecosystem worth hundreds of billions of dollars is kind of ridiculous. You know, I own a bunch of NFTs. I, whatever it's it's fine but i think it's uh 
you know, the fact that it's like, hey, and if any of you are at these NFT events, I was just at NFT NYC, it's like, okay, you give people money and they make all these empty promises. And the thought is that maybe they won't steal my money. And then other people will think this NFT is worth more than I bought it for. And if I could get them to think that, then I can make money. But I also want it, I, I also want this to flex. It's like, well, you know, most people that want things to flex with aren't trying to speculate, right? If I own a nice watch and I wear it, I'm not trying to sell it. So that dynamic is weird. Um, but you know, ERC seven twenty one tokens, sure, there's applications, right? We're we're working with, you know some real people with real IP, like the Ford modeling agency, like the largest condo developer in New York, um, like a huge publisher that has all the YA titles you may have heard of. Like we're working with people with real IP to deliver that into the NFT space. Um, and that's what we call, I'm, I'm trying to coin the term NFT 2.0 because that's real. Um, so instead of selling the menu, it's time for NFTs to sell the meal. but do ERC-721 tokens work? Yeah, yeah, right? So blockchain payments as well, like yes, payments, payment rails work, but it's like how you use it for, how how are you using it, what you're using it for? And it's a lot of crypto is just basically solutions that are built without a problem <laughs> in some ways, like what problem are you solving, right? If your problem is like, hey, how can I get like more people to borrow money so that they can then go speculate into the same system where APYs are from emissions and only work when prices go up, then you're lending to it's it's you're lending to the same echo chamber. And so what problems are you really solving in the real world with this blockchain? That said, any new technology, you will need to test it out. You have to experiment with it to make sure the infrastructure is robust. So it's better that we do this inside the ecosystem, then we go and do this with like auto loans and credit card loans and, and mortgages and, you know, where you can really like screw up the lower layers of Maslow's pyramid. Um, there's value to this and, and testing out the ecosystem, being high risk takers to help the ecosystem grow. I could see why you would be compensated for that with the APYs. But um, I do think crypto needs to grow up and move into a place where you're solving real problems in the real world. Yeah, one point I want to touch on there that I think is really interesting that you just said was the NFT 2.0, like the current NFT model is they put up a roadmap, you buy the little JPEG, and then you're promised something in the future. And that's one of the reasons that why there's so much speculation, because you're buying something that doesn't exist yet. If you're buying into something that exists, you'll it's not speculation, you're actually purchasing a product. So... I wonder, like, where you see, like, NFTs moving forward, getting past this JPEG stage that, like, we just saw. I mean, I think NFTs are going to see more utility, memberships, like, real, real stuff, right? Um, but I think the trouble there is that the ecosystem is not, like, the NFT native ecosystem isn't there yet. Um, and there's a set of behaviors that has, have, have been heavily rewarded that simply don't function in the real world or simply don't function in a down market. Um, and so when people like, when people say like, here's an NFT, I'm going to take my NFT and, and that I created and use this picture and get enough people to buy it. And then I'm going to use this IP and make swag and use this IP to make music and movies and stuff like that. I'm like, you realize that 
each one of those things are industry verticals, right? If you're trying to become a clothing designer, you're going to eventually have to worry about things like supply chain, distribution, pricing, retail, like, you know, ethical production. Like there's a lot of things you have to, you know, worry about. Same with music, same with art, same with like every one of those things is a business that you're not equipped to handle. And when I hear people say, I'm going to take my NFT and this NFT is going to be the next Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland was not built by a community of contributors. <laughs> like That's just not how it was built. So um, I think NFT needs to grow up and we're hoping to usher it that way. Right. So when you talk about collaborating with or investing in, in projects and you mentioned a couple of things you're doing, practically, how does this work? Like, you know, is there this LLC that you get equity with or is it more like a DAO where you put some money in and then you get a percentage of tokens? How does that work and how do you invest in these blockchain mm -hmm. groups or organizations? You're talking about from the Castle Steel side, from our venture side? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we take equity. Um, usually it's a safe because we're super, we're usually very early. Um, or we we take SAFs, um, so, uh, so for future tokens. Um, and usually like we invest into, if it's equity, we invest into it or, uh, like an entity, some kind of corporation, C corp or LLC. And we are, the plan is to then at the next price round, we would have a valuation where we would get our equity. Um, and then for, for SAFT, it's the same concept, but with tokens. And so we invest in both equities and tokens, but we're not a DAO. We're an actual entity, legal entity. I saw on your website, you have a lot of different um, investments, including Cosmos, Optimism, all these great projects. Is there any area or investment you're particularly excited about? I mean, I think a lot of people will say this these days, but I really like the concept of infrastructure and touch points with the real world. Um, if anybody out there is developing a real world asset on ramps, talk to me. We, I'd love to learn more. Um, we're talking to a few startups that are looking at um, user persona tracking and community dashboard. I think that's cool. Um, like payment systems, like abstractions for credit cards that spin up NFT ecosystems or, or other like um, ecosystems. I think that's, that's interesting. I would love to um, look at projects that track interactions among the smart contracts. Um, we're also like investors in like things that are just like BDRIA on ramps into crypto or the Bloomberg terminals of crypto. Um, I like that. Um, we've invested in a layer zero protocol um, that's essentially like a multi-chain uh, oracle of time events. So like if what I don't want to see is another yield aggregator. I'm not interested in DeFi plays that are just like another ohm fork or like like anything that is wholly endogenous to DeFi, I am not interested in. I want to see you solving a real problem. And if you're tell if and then the whole like DAO tooling, you better come correct because there's so many of these things out there. When you're looking at projects, like what 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 do you look at to assess whether this project is worth collaborating with and worth investing? And I think you mentioned that you want to see people solve a real problem. How do you how do you how do you begin to even understand whether they are solving a real problem? Do you look at the team? Do you look at um, how what they've done so far on their roadmap and maybe how that differs from investing in a in a typical Web two startup? Yeah, I mean, 
like because um, we advise and have invested in quite a few uh, things from DeFi to NFTs to, you know, to Web 2.5 to Web 3, like, um, like we've experienced our share of pain points. And so a lot of times, like there's going to be blind spots. I don't cover all of that, but a lot of times it's like, like when people say like, this is solving for this problem, problem X, Y, and Z. Um, if it's not a problem that we've personally experienced or among our network and friends, if it's not something that makes sense to them, then it's like, yeah, it's kind of shoehorning into a problem. Um, and so it, it needs to be very obvious and it needs to be something like, oh my God, I would pay for that. And the number of times I've said that, like, I love those moments. Like, yes, please. Like, you know, I, I will use you. I will introduce you to all my network. I will plug you into our projects. Like, please just make your product. That's the best. Um, and then like, we have a very clear, no asshole rule. Like, I don't care how awesome your product is. If the founders are just, you know, total, you know, giga chats, kid, I, I can't, life's too short. You know, like if you're a fox more than a hedgehog, meaning if all you're doing is on Twitter, like shilling and partying and try to be a part of the scene and all that stuff, but not building really hard to get behind, right? Like teams need to have a technical founder. Teams need to have at least a technical co-founder. Um, there needs to be some level of humility um, and there needs to be some level of like value alignment. So we want to see a lot of integrity and hunger and humility in the founding team. Um, yeah, I think that's very important to us. Yeah, that sounds like some super important, you know, um, aspects for a crypto startup. A, one common um, similarity people like to point to is look at internet adoption versus blockchain adoption and say, oh, it's pretty similar. It's going to be like as used as the internet one day. Where do you see blockchain technology in the future? That's also very broad. Yeah, it's very broad. Right? I think anything that can be tokenized will be tokenized. But I also think that without clear regulation, like it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think without clear antitrust and competitive dynamics, it's going to be very hard to happen. Um, I, I, I also like, I think right now there's a zeitgeist of wanting to, like, there's an actual clear disdain. Um, I won't go so far as hatred, but there's a disdain for TradFi and all things real world, right? Yeah. Good luck. That's not going to work. If crypto wants to enfranchise people if crypto wants to drive wide adoption there needs to be a willingness to essentially enfranchise and open up and invite people to participate instead of like oh you can't figure this out yourself you don't have thousands of dollars to play with and speculate with well f you because that's what the system is that's a lot of the attitude that i really can't stand um i think there needs to be a lot of people who are uh, who are dedicating themselves to education um, uh, and and also like creating um, creating like I would I would say soft on ramps, which is why I think NFTs are interesting. It's a way of getting into crypto without diving deep into DeFi. Um, it allows you to like start participating. Like, oh, what is Discord? Right? What is a wallet? What is Ethereum? Um, so, I actually think NFTs are going to be a really interesting. Uh, ramp for a lot of people but I'm, I'm overall very bullish yeah that makes a lot of sense that's all the questions we have for you today uh thank you so much for joining us if there's anything else you want to you want to tell us any closing remarks feel free otherwise we'll uh, we'll close it out here 
Yeah, sounds good. I think feel free to reach out if I could be helpful. Um, always interested in seeing what people are working on. So definitely like contact me. Um, I guess my email is lili at qis.capital. So if you want to talk, you want to reach out with some ideas, always happy to touch base. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, this has been the Exploring the Blockchain podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks.